Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. And as we look into your word together now, we ask for your spirit to speak into our lives. Lord, we want to hear from you through your word. You know what you want to say to each one of us. Speak for your children are listening, listening to your voice. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, the family of God is truly amazing. We've been looking at how we build community and reminded me over the last couple of weeks as we've been traveling in, uh, in Tanzania. You know, the family of God is truly amazing because you can go to any service anywhere in the world and you might understand absolutely nothing. But you can sense the Spirit of God. And so you can worship. You can join with people in worship because we know we have one heart, one mind. We are part of God's community. And we've been looking together over the last number of weeks about how we build that community here at Trinity and what God is asking of us. We started off by saying that we need to value one another. We value one another just as God values each one of us. God thinks that we are, looks at each of us and says, you know what, you are incredibly special. And we need to look at one another in that same light. One of the problems is that when we have disagreements, that we kind of dehumanize people, don't we? We, we, we treat them as a they rather than as a person. We, we don't see them any longer in the light that God sees them. From him, the whole body is joined together by every supporting ligament. It grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, God values each one of us. For God so loved the world, loved you and me, that he came. And we need to learn how to love one another in the same way that God loves us. And we need to learn sometimes how to love ourselves in the same way that God loves us. Sometimes we find it easier to love other people than we do to love ourselves. But God loves us. God says, you're so, so special. I love you. I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Because as we value one another, as we see the image of God in one another, that is the foundation on which community is built. Then last time we talked about how we need to encourage one another, build one another up in the kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 talks about us being, being built together, building one another up as each part does its work. We need to build by encouraging. We're not alone, we're a family together. And as we're a family together, so we're not supposed to walk through this journey all on our own, but as a community together. We support each other. We encourage each other. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It doesn't say bear your own burden, fulfill the law of Christ. It says bear one another's. So let them bear your burdens and allow them, their burdens, to be borne by you. As we do that together, as we encourage one another, as we journey together alongside one another so we build community we're not supposed to be lonely in the kingdom of God we're supposed to be joined together encouraging one another helping one another but I want to look at a third thing today 
To be an effective community, we not only need to value, we not only need to encourage, but we also need to be united together. Before I show you that, we're going to look at the passage that Jesus prayed for you and me. It's called his high priestly prayer in John 17. In John 17, there's kind of concentric circles of prayer. Jesus first started to pray for himself. And then he prays for his disciples. And then in the part that we're going to look at, he prays for all those disciples that are going to follow on because of the witness of his disciples. He prays for you and for me. So first of all, he prays for himself, and then he prays for those that are just around him. And then he looks into the future, and he prays for you, and he prays for me. And we're going to look at the words that he says. Think about, this is the time where Jesus looks, looks at Harrow in 2018 and says, these are the people I'm going to pray for. This is what I want to say to them. This is what I want to pray. This is what I want to offer up to the Father. But before we look at that, let's remind ourselves just a little bit about who Jesus is, who it is that is praying for us. Take a look at this. Is that going to work? He is more than you could ever need. He's more than the eye could see. I don't deserve his love, but he's always been there for me. You see, Jesus met me when I was at my lowest. And if you don't know Jesus, know this. He is the greatest example of generosity this world of greed has ever seen. And when Jesus hit the scene, he changed the scenery and met diversity with serenity. If you're looking for peace, he offers plenty. Jesus was and Jesus will forever be king. And when the angels sing, they sing of the grace that was displayed for sinners like me. I can't explain him and I can't describe him. And if I could, he wouldn't be Jesus because you can't explain eternity and you can't comprehend the galaxies. But it was the loving hands of Jesus who spun them into existence and created man knowing he would go to the cross to pay our sentence there was a certificate of judgment with a period after the sentence and we were sentenced to death long before he said it is finished he is a father to the orphan a shelter for the homeless a hiding place for the abused and an anchor for our storms he stormed the gates of hell and came out on top and the power of his gospel cannot be stopped even when the world tries and they try a lot. He traded places with Barabbas and became the catalyst of missions across the world covering every portion of the atlas. If you're in need of rest, I know of a mattress. If you don't know Jesus, your future is tragic, but he gladly embraced tragedy so we could live in his presence of majesty. His presence is presence, and it's his presence that presents preciousness to a world of peasants. He is far from pretentious, but still loves those who are. He is the light of the world and hung the stars. He brings the dead to life and delivers life to the dead. He took a crown of thorns on his head so we could put crowns at his feet, and I I can't wait until I get to kiss his feet that were nailed to a cross for me and for you and for every person around the world. He loves the world and I love his word because the word became flesh and in his flesh he demonstrated the word to the world. He is an example to every boy and every girl. He is a lover of black people. He is a lover of white people. He is a lover of the unchurched and the assembly under the steeple. He doesn't see the believers' failures but still takes time to celebrate their faithfulness. It's the power of the spirit that enables us and gives us boldness when the world labels us and if you want to label me please call me a Jesus freak if that freaks you out good 
because it's better to be good with God than to fight being misunderstood by a world that could never understand. So let it be understood that I don't worship man, we worship Jesus. And although he doesn't need us, he still sees us and pleads with us to run to the cross where he bled for us, his heart bleeds for us, his heart grieves for us, but still graciously grants us a pardon for our treason in a season where the world tries to explain away the work of the Spirit with human reasoning. There is a reason they can't. Because the Spirit is like the wind and the wind cannot be seen. But loved is the one who believes without seeing the unseen. I'm telling you today that Jesus is something. He's something more. He's something great. And if you want to know him, you don't have to wait. He stands at the narrow path with a key to the gate, and you only have to reach out and embrace his grace. I don't care who's president. I have the king who is always present. I don't care who holds musical celebrity. The voice of the Lord will always be the sweetest melody. I don't care who owns the riches of the globe. My Jesus holds more wealth than one ruby on his robe. I don't care who is the strongest or the fastest. Nothing matches the creator of the universe and his immortal, infinite status. I don't care about religious leaders who died and stayed dead. I'll only worship the one who conquered death and wears a crown on his head. His name is Jesus, and I'm telling you, he's something. He was faithful yesterday, and he is faithful today. I can feel his presence whenever I pray. And when the time comes for me to fade away, I'll remember the day I heard him say, My name is Jesus. Jesus prayed this prayer to his father. He said, my prayer is not for them alone. That's the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That all of them may be one. Father, just as, I, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know you, they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thanks be to God for his reading. Let's just think about that today. What is unity? What is it? Jesus prays in that prayer that we may be brought to complete unity. Verse 23. What is unity? Well, unity is hard to define, but it's easier to say what it's not. Unity is not uniformity. Not everybody has to be identical. Not everybody has to think the same. The whole Bible describes all the different gifts and abilities that God gives to us. And he says, I've chosen you, I've handpicked the different gifts, I've made you unique. Unity is not squashing us all into the same mold. It's not uniformity and it's not an external kind of compromise. All under one banner. We see at the moment with this country, with the Brexit thing, 
trying to make some kind of external compromise, trying to put a banner across everything that makes it all sort of work okay. Unity is not that. It's not just saying, well, we're all Trinity Church so we can do what we like, but there's this kind of banner that, that says we're all believers and therefore everything's okay. Unity is more than just a name and a title. In the Bible, there are two kinds of unity that it talks about. Two that we see in that passage. But I want to look at a different passage, Ephesians 4, just really briefly, a couple of these verses. Because it describes a little bit easier for us to understand what unity truly is. Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 16. I'm just going to read a few of these verses. Firstly, it talks about positional unity. Listen to this. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we are called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. There is a positional unity that we enjoy, the unity it describes here of the Holy Spirit. We are united, as I said, because we all serve one God. As I said before, you can go into any church in the world and you can experience that love of God. You can experience the, the connection with your brothers and sisters, even if you don't speak their language. Even if they can't understand a word you're saying or understand a word they're saying, there is a bond that joins us together because we are one in Christ. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, we have that positional unity that he describes here. We are one because we serve one Lord, one Christ. We're in one baptism, one God and Father of all. But then also it carries on and it talks about a practical kind of unity as well. Let me skip down. It says... Uh, Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, listen to this, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There is a, a practical kind of unity that it talks about, characterized by a fullness in faith, a fullness in knowledge, a fullness in maturity, that we have to become full of, of God, that, that how we see that unity, how it plays out, the positional unity plays out, has to be seen in practice. And that's characterized by our faith, our knowledge, our maturity, our fullness in Him. And so there's these two aspects of unity that we see throughout the pages of Scripture. And we see it again back in John chapter 17. In John 17, 21, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Just as Jesus has got a relationship with the Father, there is one God, one Father of all, one Jesus, one baptism. So we are in Christ. If we have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so there's that positional unity. There's that unity that we enjoy 
together because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And he shows that in verse 21, but he carries on in verse 22, verse 23. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. We haven't arrived at that other kind of unity. But what does that mean? What does it mean when he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me? What does that mean? What has Jesus given you and me? He says he's given us the glory that the Father gave to Jesus. What does that mean? This is an opportunity for you to speak now. Partial likeness. He welcomes us. That's true and true. What else? What does it mean? I've given them the glory that you gave me. So the Father has given Jesus glory, whatever that is, and Jesus has then given it on to me. It's like if Inika over here gives me five pounds, let's make it 50, and then I pass it on to someone else. I give it to Mike here, right? You're welcome. Except I haven't got it from Enoch in the first place. But anyway. But it's, that's, that's the picture we see. The Father giving Jesus glory. So what, what is it really talking about? That we can do the same thing. So just as Jesus received from the Father all the the ability, the power, and the blessings to accomplish everything he, he needed to accomplish. So Jesus has given that to you and to me. Given them the glory. It's all of those things that you've talked about. The glory is, it talks about it in verse 20, uh, 24 to 26. If you look down, it says in verse 24 to 26. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you. Sorry, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. So really, it's in this context, it's talking the glory that the Father has given to Jesus. Is the character of the Father so that when you see Jesus, what did he say? If you see me, you've seen the Father. So it's everything that you've spoken about. So that as we look at Jesus, we can see the Father. That's the glory. He's, he's God's representative. So you look at Jesus, and Jesus said, you know, what do you mean, show us the Father? You see me? It's the same thing, because I reflect the Father. And Jesus said, I'm going to give that same reflection, which includes the power and the character and the blessings and everything else, and the welcome and, and all these other things. I'm going to give that to my followers. So that if we see Mike, we see Jesus. If we see Angela, we see Jesus. 
If we see David, we see Jesus. If we see Sis, we see Jesus. Because that same glory, that same likeness has been given to you and to me. Why? Why is it important? It's important because he says this. The witness is only effective when we have that glory, when we have unity. He says it in verse 21. I'm going to give you, be one. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Be one, he says, verse 23. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Where there is disunity, there is no witness. In fact, there is bad witness. Because unity is one of the ways, the channel Jesus prayed for, that we witness about who God is. How we relate to other people in the body of Christ reflects on who Christ is. It reflects on the glory that we show to others. How does it work? Well, the passage says this. It says, first, we have unity with God through Christ. So Christ has been joined to the Father, and he comes down and he joins with us, and therefore we have unity from myself through Christ to the Father. We are one. We are connected together. All of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 21. Then the glory that we've just been talking about, the character of God that he gave to Christ is then given to you and me. So as we start being connected through Christ to the Father so coming the other way, if you like, is the glory from the Father through the Son back to you and back to me. And we reflect that, that connection. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. And then thirdly, the way we show the world who Christ is, is through modeling a godly community through showing the unity that God has in himself. Look at it like this. Well, let's get some people up. Okay, Mike and Angela, can you come out the front? Enika, can you come out the front? Okay, Mike is God the Father, right? You're God, the creator of all, right? Angela, you're Jesus. I'm me. Inika, you're you. So God the Father connects. You have to hold hands here. Yeah. Hands, hands. Just, you know. Steady now, steady. Should have got. Okay. So God the Father connects through Jesus, right? So they're connect. Hold, hold your hands up. You're connected together. Everybody can see. Actually, come around this way. Right? They're connected so Jesus said, if I, if I look at Angela, if I look at Jesus from this angle, she said, you see me, I'm connected to the Father. So you can see the Father, right? Because they're one, they're connected, they're of the same, same thing, right? Now, Enika, you and me, 
are connected to Jesus, right? When we love Jesus, we're connected down this way. This is getting complicated here. Failed my dancing as well as my Swahili. Uh, right, so we're connected to Jesus. So what happens? Okay, we're connected to the Father through Jesus Christ. Yeah, got that? Does that make sense? Now, okay, with love, exactly. Now, people look at me or look at Enika. Who do they see? Jesus, and through Jesus to the Father. Now, what happens, okay, that's, that's positional unity, right? Now, there's another kind of unity, stay connected. So we are connected, and the Holy Spirit is the one that connects us through. But also, we have a practical unity. Okay. Come up. You're the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit is connected to the Father and to the Son. Let go. Let go. Right? That's, that's the Spirit. That's, the, that's, that's our triune God connected together. Okay? Come on. It's a family show. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Now, we're connected together. The three of us. Right? Now, do you see the similarity? I mean, I know we're way more handsome on this side than that side, but, you know, give that up, all right? You see the similarity? Now, what happens when somebody looks at us? They say, hey, they're in the same kind of loving relationships. They're connected with one another. What are we... We're showing the same kind of love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Spirit. Now, it's complicated because we're also connected through Jesus and the Spirit of God, right? But we imitate to people outside the same love, the same value, the same respect, the same relationships that we see in the Godhead. Why did Jesus... Of all the things that Jesus could have prayed for, he said, you know what they need more than anything else? They need unity. Why? Because it's as we reflect those relationships together, we reflect the relationships in the Godhead. People won't, who do not know Jesus can't see the relationships in the Godhead, right? They don't know about them. They're a blank. What can they see? They can see you and me. They can see the three of us. Now, what happens when the three of us start squabbling? Don't like your hat, sis. It certainly doesn't suit you. What happens? What do people see? No love. And what do they see, therefore, in the Godhead? Yeah, it's a great hat, by the way. <laughs> Ignore me for that minute. What do they see? We are, all they see is us. And if we are not reflecting the Godhead, 
Look how beautiful the Godhead is over there. Look, they're at perfect peace and happiness. If we're fighting and stabbing one another, if we're not unified together, what are people seeing? What are we reflecting about the God we love? You see, John, John won't see them if he doesn't know them already. He'll see you and me. And we are believers in Jesus Christ. Amen. And what we do and how we do it reflects to everybody else so that the world may believe. As we are like this, the world will come to believe. Why? Because we show what the Godhead really is all about. In an imperfect way. Of course, but we're at least pointing towards the perfection. And as we do that, as people see us, they say, hey, I, I want some of that. That is special. That is different. That is what this world needs. Thank you very much for helping us out. Give them a round of applause. That was awesome. Thank you. Do you see why it's important, why Jesus prayed for it? So how is it expressed? Firstly, in a common love. That we love as God loves us. In Romans 8, it says these words. Let me read it to you. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Not in knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a common love because we're all hanging on to Jesus. And there is a commonality in that hanging with Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm never going to let go of you or me. But in 1 John 4, 11, it says these words. It says, just as Christ has loved us, so we must love one another. Let me read it to you. 1 John 4, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. He's saying there that if we love one another, if we have that commonality of love, if we genuinely show love to one another, we're actually showing the love or, or reflecting the love that we see in the Godhead itself. And then, of course, Jesus said in Matthew 22, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, and he said in, in 22 about the, the covenant, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And love your neighbor 
as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Unity comes firstly out of a commonality of love. As we receive love from the Father through the Christ, by the Holy Spirit, we love one another. And we need to learn how to show that love to one another. Secondly, there's a commonality of purpose. We've spoken about it, but it says it again in Romans 8. It says these words, verse 29 and 30. It says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified, He also glorified. As we've been sharing, when we have a commonality of purpose, our purpose is what? To glorify God. To show people who God truly is by what we say, by what we do, by how we behave, by how we interact with other people. That's our common purpose that we have. Just as the Father gave Jesus his glory, Jesus gives that glory to you and me. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. We should all be in that position to be able to say those words, to glorify God. And lastly, we have a common mission. Matthew 28, as you're going, make disciples of all nations. Why? Because people will see us unified together as one heart one love, one purpose, and they will say, I want some of that. That's missing in my life. I see, I see the love, the, the genuineness of the love that you share. I see the, the genuineness of those relationships. That's something that's missing from my life. I want some of that. Jesus doesn't pray that we go out, does he? In this prayer, he doesn't say, Okay, I want you to form a, a mission committee and, and go to the four corners of the earth and, and, and tell everybody about Jesus. He just says, be one. And when you're going to one, be one, then the world will start looking at you and the world will see and the world will want to have some of that. And then as you're going about your daily business, you'll be making disciples. Why? Because people will be coming to you saying, you know those relationships, the, the, the love that you share? That's incredible. That's what I want. To show the world the love of God. Jesus prayed for unity. Positional unity Practical unity. When you think about your own life, when you think about the life of this church, how much unity do you really see? You see, it's easy to talk about unity. We have a common love, a common purpose, and a common mission. But it gets hard when it gets personal. 
We have a common love, a common purpose, and a common mission, but don't go messing with the bit that I'm involved in because I like doing it the way I like doing it. We have a common love, a common purpose, and a common mission, but make sure you put the resources into the bit that I like to be. We need to be one. Trinity Church needs to be one. One so that it doesn't matter whether you're at the 9.30, the 11, the 1, the 3, the 5. If one starts growing and the others are not growing, praise the Lord. Because God is blessing his church. We need to be one in where am I going to slot into his church? Where am I going to show and demonstrate my common love and my common purpose and the common mission? Where is God going to use my gifts and abilities in his church so that I can be connected? So that when people see the relationships and the depths of relationships that I have with other people in his church here, that will be what they will see and what they will want to come and experience for themselves. And what about every word that we say that comes out which destroys that unity. How many times have we criticized something else? Didn't like that. Don't like that. That's not my cup of tea. That's not what I like. All these things, we have to be so careful to preserve and complete the unity, the practical unity that Jesus prayed for. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords could have prayed for anything but his Father. But he prayed that you and me might be one. That every single brother and sister in Christ might be one. That we may work tirelessly to build one another up. That we may work together to form those bonds of, of love and relationship. That nothing can break, that we may work together to reveal the glory that the Father gave to Jesus and Jesus has given to you and me. God wants Trinity Church to be a true community. Sometimes when you go away, you can look at things from a distance and honestly, I think we have a ways to go. We have positional unity. We are one in Christ. But practically, there is much we need to learn and much we need to do. So that we support and we grow and we encourage and we help one another. Everybody we see here. Everybody that walks through these doors. Everybody that is one in Christ. For his honor and glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's a high calling. Unity is so hard. It's an easy word to say, but it's so hard to accomplish. Because sometimes people irritate me. 
They give an open door for the enemy to come in and bring disunity. Forgive me. Sometimes people see things in a different way to me. And I think their way is stupid. And I put them down instead of build them up. Lord, forgive me. Sometimes I'm just so busy that I just can't be bothered. And I see opportunities to help, but hey, someone else can do that. Lord, forgive me. Out of all the things you could have prayed for, you prayed that we might be one so that the world may believe. Lord, somehow, make that true at Trinity so that everybody who lives around these streets may look at us and not see us, but see you shining out through us because there is a depth of love and compassion and oneness in your house that this world is just, it's thirsty for. Everywhere we look, we see division. We see a breakup of things. We see pulling things down. Lord, build your church. Make us one. Lord, I thank you for grace. When I mess up, you forgive me. But help me to be united to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me to be a positive force, a channel of your spirit, bringing unity, showing unity everywhere I can. We thank you and we praise you. And thank you, Jesus, that you pray for us and that you intercede for us. And as we pray for unity, we know that you are praying right now for our unity because it's your heart's desire. And so we can pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.